Chapter 8. Discontent. The seventh motivation to be content is the evil of discontent. Dissatisfaction has a mixture of grief and anger in it, and both of these raise storms in the soul. Have you not seen the posture of a sick man? Sometimes he will sit up in his bed, but soon he will lie down. When he is down, he is not quiet. First he turns on one side and then on the other. He is restless. This is the picture of a discontent spirit. The person is not sick, yet he is never well. Sometimes he likes his condition in life, but is soon weary. Then he has another condition of life, and when he has it, he still is not pleased. This is an evil under the sun. Ecclesiastes 6 to 10. Now the evil of discontent appears in three things its sordidness, its sinfulness, and its simplicity, or its foolishness. 1. The sordidness of discontent is unworthy of a Christian. It is unworthy of his profession. It was a saying of ancient Roman heathens Bear your condition quietly, remember you are a man. So I say, Bear your condition contentedly. Remember, you are a Christian. You profess to live by faith. If so, why are you not content? Faith is a grace that substantiates things not seen. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith looks beyond the creature. It feeds on promises. Faith does not live by bread alone. When the water in the bottle is gone, faith knows where to get help. Where is the faith of a Christian dejected because of a lack of visible supplies and recruits? One may make the excuse, My possessions and position in the world are down. Ah, but what is worse is that his faith is down. Will you not be content unless God lets down the sheet to you as he did to Peter, wherein were all manner of four footed beasts of the earth and fowls of the air? Acts 10 12. Must you have the first and second course? This is like Thomas, who said, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. John 20, 25. Unless you can actually feel your outward comforts, you will not be content. True faith will trust God even when it cannot trace Him, and will venture on God's word even though it has nothing in view. You who are discontented because you don't have all you would like to have, let me tell you, either your faith is a non-entity, or at best it is just an embryo. It is a weak faith that must have stilts and crutches to support it. Discontent is not only below faith, but it is also below reason. Why are you discontented? Is it because you are dispossessed of such comforts? Well, do you not at least have reason to guide you? Doesn't reason tell you that you are just tenants who can be evicted without notice? May God not turn you out when He pleases? You don't hold your estate by judicial right, but by favor and courtesy. Discontent is also unworthy of the relationship we have with God. Christians are invested with the title and privilege of sonship. Ephesians 1 5. We are heirs of the promise. Galatians 3 29. Consider the lot of free grace that has fallen on you. You are closely allied to Christ and of the royal blood. You are advanced, in some sense, above the angels. Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? 
2 Samuel 13.4. Why are you discontent? How unworthy is this, as if the heir to some great monarch should go pining up and down because he may not pick a certain flower. 2. Consider the sinfulness of discontent. This reveals itself in three things, the causes, the concomitants, or the accompaniments of it, and the consequences of it. The causes of discontent are sinful. Pride is the first cause of discontent. Those who think highly of their worth usually regard their conditions to be low. Discontent people are proud people. They think themselves to be better than others. Therefore, they find fault with the wisdom of God because their station is not above others. So the thing formed says to him who formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Romans 9.20. Why am I not higher? Discontent is nothing more than the agitation and boiling over of pride. The second cause of discontent is envy. Augustine called envy the sin of the devil. Satan envied Adam, the glory of paradise, and the robe of innocence. Those who envy what their neighbor has are never content with the portion that God's providence parceled out to them. As envy stirs up strife, this is what made the plebeian faction so strong among the Romans, it creates discontent. Envious people look so much on the blessings that others enjoy that they cannot see their own mercies. They continually agitate and torture themselves. Cain was envious because his brother's sacrifice was accepted, but his was rejected. He was discontented, and soon murderous thoughts began to arise in his heart. The third cause of discontent is covetousness. This is a radical sin. Vexing lawsuits come from discontent, and discontent comes from covetousness. Covetousness and contentedness cannot dwell in the same heart. Avarice is a glutton that is never satisfied. The covetous man is like Bearmoth. Behold, he drinketh up a river, and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. Job 40.23. Agur said, There are four things that say not it is enough. I may add a fifth, the hearts of covetous people. They are still craving. Covetousness is like a wolf in the breast that is always feeding, and because a man is not satisfied, he is never content. The fourth cause of discontent is jealousy. Jealousy is sometimes occasioned through melancholy, and sometimes through misunderstanding. The spirit of jealousy causes an evil spirit. Jealousy is the rage of a man. Proverbs 6.34 Often this is nothing but suspicion and imagination but it creates real discontent. The fifth cause of discontent is distrust. Distrust is a great part of atheism. The discontent person is always distrustful. My inventory grows low. I am in urgent need. Can God help me? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Psalm 78, 19. He is sure God cannot. My estate is exhausted. Can God replenish me? My friends are gone. Can God give me more? He is sure the arm of God's power is shrunk. I am like the dry fleece. Can any water come on this fleece? If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? 2 Kings 7 2. With the anchor of hope and the shield of faith cast away, the soul goes pining up and down. 
Discontent is nothing else but an echo of unbelief. Remember, distrust is worse than distress. Discontentment is evil because of its accompaniments. There are two things that go along with and accompany discontent. Discontent is joined by a sullen melancholy. A Christian of a right temper should be always cheerful in God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 102. A sign that the oil of grace has been poured into the heart is when the oil of gladness shines in the face. Cheerfulness credits religion. How can the discontent person be cheerful? Discontent is a tenaciously sullen mood. Because we do not have what we desire, God will not have a good work or look from us. We are like the bird in the cage, who, because she is pent up and cannot fly in the open air, beats herself against the cage and is ready to kill herself. This is why that peevish prophet said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Jonah 4 9. Discontentment is also accompanied by ungratefulness. Because we don't have all we desire, we are not mindful of the mercies that we do have. We deal with God as the widow of Zarephath did with the prophet Elijah. He had been the means to keep her alive in the famine because it was for his sake that the meal in her barrel and the oil in her bottle never ran out. But as soon as her son died, she fell into a passion and began to quarrel with the prophet. What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? 1 Kings 17, 18. We deal so ungratefully with God in the same way. We are content to receive mercies from God, but if He crosses us in the least thing, then, through discontent, we grow touchy and impatient and are ready to attack Him, so He loses all His mercies. We read in Scripture of the offering of thanksgiving. The discontented person cuts God short of this, and the Lord loses His offering of thanks. A discontent Christian complains in the midst of mercies, as Adam, who sinned in the midst of paradise. Discontent is a spider that sucks the poison of ungratefulness out of the sweetest flower of God's blessing. It is a devilish chemistry that extracts dross out of the most refined gold. The discontent person thinks everything he does for God is too much, and everything God does for him is too little. Oh, what a sin is ungratefulness! It is an accumulative sin. What Cicero said of parricide, I may say of ingratitude. There are many sins bound up in this one sin. It is a voluminous wickedness, and discontent is full of this sin. A discontented Christian, because he does not have all the world, dishonors God with the mercies he does have. God made Eve out of Adam's rib to be a helper. But the devil made an arrow of this rib and shot Adam to the heart. Discontent takes the rib of God's mercy and ungratefully shoots at him. Our things and our liberty are often employed against God. Observe then how discontentment and ingratitude are interwoven and twisted one within the other. Discontentment is sinful in its associations. 3. Discontent is sinful because of its consequences. The first consequence is that it makes a person unlike the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is a meek spirit. The Holy Spirit descended in the likeness of a dove. Matthew 3.16. A dove is the emblem of meekness. 
A discontented spirit is not a meek spirit. Second, it makes a person like the devil. The devil, swelled with the poison of envy and malice, is never content. So are the malcontent. The devil is an unquiet spirit. He is still walking about. 1 Peter 5 8. It is his rest to be walking. This is how discontent people are like him. They go up and down agitating themselves, seeking rest and finding none. Luke 11 24. They are the picture of the devil. Third, discontent breaks apart the soul. It untunes the heart for duty. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. James 5 13. But if you are discontent, how will you pray? Lifting up holy hands without wrath. 1 Timothy 2 8. Discontent is full of wrath and passion. The malcontent cannot lift up pure hands. They lift up leprous hands. They poison their prayers. Will God accept a poisoned sacrifice? Chrysostom compared prayer to a fine garland and said that those who make a garland need clean hands. Prayer is a precious garland. The heart that makes it must be clean. Discontent throws poison into the spring. Discontent puts the heart into disorder and mutiny, and that heart cannot serve the Lord without distraction. 1 Corinthians 7.35 Fourth, discontent sometimes makes us unable to use reason. Jonah, in a passion of discontent, spoke only blasphemy and nonsense. I do well to be angry even unto death. What? He was angry with God and willing to die because he was angry. Surely he didn't know what he was saying. When discontent overtakes our reason, we then, like Moses, speak unadvisedly with our lips. This disposition even suspends the very acts of reason. Fifth, discontent disturbs not only you, but also those who are near to you. This evil spirit troubles families and churches. If there is just one string out of tune, it spoils all the music. One discontent spirit makes clashing and discord among others. It is this ill humor that breeds quarrels and lawsuits. All our contention springs from a lack of contentment. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts? James 4, 1. In particular, from the lust of discontent. Why did Absalom raise a war against his father and was willing to take off not only David's crown but also his head? Was it not his discontent? Absalom wanted to be king. Why did Ahab stone Naboth? Was it not discontent about the vineyard? Oh, this devil of discontent! You can see the sinfulness of it. And three, consider the foolishness, the simplicity of discontent. I may say, as the psalmist says, surely they are disquieted in vain. Psalm 39, 6. We see this foolishness in four ways. First, is it not a vain, foolish thing to be troubled by the loss of that which is, in its own nature, perishing and changeable? God has put change into the creature. All the world shouts changes. For me to meet with inconstancy here, to lose a friend, possessions, to be in constant fluctuation, is no different than to see a flower wither or a leaf drop off in autumn. There is an autumn on every comfort, a fall of the leaf, 
and it is extreme folly to be discontented by the loss of those things that are in their own nature losable. What Solomon said of riches is true of all things under the sun. They make themselves wings. Proverbs 23.5. Noah's dove brought an olive branch in its mouth, but soon flew out of the ark and never returned. Our comfort brings to us honey in its mouth, but it has wings. What good does it do to be troubled unless we have wings to fly after and overtake it? Second, discontent is heartbreaking. By sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15:13. It takes away the comfort of life. All of us would have more mercies if we could just see them. Now, because we don't have all we desire, we lose the comfort of that which we have already. Because his gourd, a withering vanity, was struck, Jonah was so discontent that he never thought of his miraculous deliverance out of the whale's belly. He took no comfort in his life but wished that he might die. What foolishness is this! We must have all or nothing. We are like children that throw away the piece that was cut for them because they may not have a bigger piece. Discontent eats out the comfort of life. Besides, it would be good if we seriously considered how damaging this is even to our health. For discontent, as it tortures the mind, so it wears away the body. It frets as a moth, and by wasting the spirits, it weakens the body. The disease of discontent wastes away the body. Is this not folly? Third, discontent does not ease us of our burden, but it makes the cross heavier. A content spirit goes cheerfully under its affliction. Discontent makes our grief as unsupportable as it is unreasonable. If the leg is well, it can endure chain and not complain, but if the leg is sore, then the chain troubles it. Discontent of the mind is the sore that makes the bonds of affliction more grievous. Discontent troubles us more than the trouble itself. It steeps the affliction in bitter wormwood. When Christ was on the cross, the Jews brought him gall and vinegar to drink to add to his sorrow. Discontent brings gall and vinegar to drink to a man in affliction. This is worse than the affliction itself. Is it not foolish for you to embitter your own cross? Last, discontent makes our troubles last longer. A Christian is discontent because he is in need, and he is in need because he is discontent. He complains because he is afflicted, and he is afflicted because he complains. Discontent delays and suspends our mercies. God deals with us as we do with our children. When they are quiet and cheerful, we give them anything, but if we see them cry and fret, then we withhold things from them. We get nothing from God by our discontent but blows. The more the child struggles, the more it is beaten. When we struggle with God by our sinful passions, He doubles and triples His strokes. God will tame our rebellious hearts. What did Israel gain by their stubbornness? They were within eleven days' journey of Canaan, but they became discontent and began to murmur. So God led them on a march of forty long years in the wilderness. Is it not foolishness for us to suspend our own mercies? Now you have seen the evil of discontent.